can you talk a bit about this past year? I think it's been about a year, a bit over a year since we last spoke. Really? Jesus. Yeah. That feels two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What have I done in the last year? Yeah. Right. Got it. So, oh, everything, and it feels like nothing at once. I, it has been truly a very odd time to, mm. you know, there's just no, there's no comparison to this moment in our lives, I think, and so yeah. um, it's been very different and difficult, mm. um, but, you know, on company traction, you know, we deployed our first autonomous unit to go do its work by itself, we, um, it's now on, you know, months seven of zero down days mm-hmm. even through COVID it's continued to operate um, lockdowns at the mall um, we've grown a colony to service you know, large volumes of waste we've brought on new clients um, and we've started our expansion so we're you know, moving into new regions our next facility opens in November um, mm-hmm. we've grown the team from I think when you, when we when we spoke last, I think we were what fifteen people, I think maybe or twenty. We're at uh, forty now. Wow, um, that's huge. Yeah, I know. I've aged. But and so it's like all the components that come with like a business, um, but all under the shroud of like and challenge of COVID and so mm. you know we've learned a lot in these last couple of this last year and and we've made a lot of mistakes um, mm. but I think overall we've we've really moved some mountains on you know what it what it has meant for us to commercialize our tech and, and send it to the next place and mm. um, yeah pretty exciting stuff actually yeah yeah that's great um so you you said last time we spoke that because that that you were seeing a bit of a shift in demand because of COVID to to hospital less restaurants wanting to be serviced but more hospitals and and I can't, I can't remember what else it was I think council councils so where are you yes. see, where are you seeing that demand now obviously everything turned upside down so where we thought a lot of waste was going to come from you know, hotels, restaurants, schools mm-hmm. um, kind of got upended because all of those things were closed or operating in different ways. And so, uh, but where, what that meant was that everybody was staying at home. Mm-hmm. And so people who had residential, you know, actual homes, <clears throat> you know, it was interesting. There was this whole in, uh, piece where everyone was buying chickens and in Canberra, the cost of a chicken went from $20 a chicken to $65 a chicken. <laughs> it was, everyone was buying backyard chickens and, like, having chickens, right? And, and we were all at home and we're like, make sourdough bread, compost, have chickens. Ah! And so um, we weren't necessarily getting a lot of requests from households, but we were getting so many requests from multi-unit dwellings and apartment buildings because Mm. they don't have composting opportunities. They're stuck in their homes. Mm. They 
yeah, looking for things to feel purposeful about. And so, you know, that was a really interesting shift and something we've been really excited about because mm. multi-unit dwellings and apartment buildings, things like that, tend to be one of the more difficult waste segments to get waste from, mm. even though they're a consolidated, aggregated load, you know, 200 people in a building. But that's getting 200 people to put the food waste in the right bin, you know, mm. don't contaminate. Like, it's quite, it, it requires specific education and engagement. Mm. And so um, it was a really good time for us to sort of try and figure out if we could crack that sort of difficult problem and, mm. and find ways to meet those clients where they are and help them, you know, with a solution that worked. Um, and, and I think we've got there. And, um yeah, that's been kind of interesting, I think. <laughs> that's really that's really interesting. I, I live in one of those apartment blocks myself, and I feel horrible about the waste um, yeah. that's produced and that's just not taken care of properly. We have two bins. One is for recycling, and one is for general waste. And that's, that's right. and Everything that's else. it. That's it. That's that's all yeah. the sorting that there is done, and it just feels awful because you just know this is actually not being sorted. It's not being taken yeah. care of. And, you know, however many people in this 23-story, you know, apartment, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of waste and it's yeah. just not being sorted. So I would absolutely love to be able to have something like that here. So did, it, did you actually figure out a solution? Yeah, so what it ended up being was, like, and you would know, given you live it, yeah. is that people want to be easy right like we, we want to contribute we want to participate but we don't really want to do a lot of extra work right mm. and so and that's okay we've got a lot of shit on and so what we we found was if we gave them caddies if we so they had the thing there'd be some infrastructure in their in their home mm-hmm. and then they could take that caddy and easily dump it Mm-hmm. Um, into the bin and that could be not messy and not gross or whatever and so you know we recommended a certain type of compostable bag that our process can handle and all of these bits and pieces and then because we've been doing this for so long with households we could accept a lot more contamination or difficult things than mm-hmm. other people so we were like we didn't exclude cat litter, for example, mm-hmm. because we're not going to make insect feed out of this, these insects because, mm-hmm. it, you know, household food waste is quite contaminated. And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, let them, let them put their cat litter in there. Let them put their dog poo in there if they want to. Like, mm-hmm. let's give them more flexibility to feel like they're contributing, less restrictions. Mm-hmm. And then what that will do then is encourage more um, uptake because they're like, oh, this is super easy. You can just put anything in there. Do you know what I mean? Nice. Like just yeah. change that a little bit. Mm. Um, I, I've, I think the other thing I've learned in this year is that like people's per- perception of the effort it takes to do good and their willingness to contribute that effort aren't the same. Mm. And so they think it's a lot to just put their food waste in a different bucket. If you say ah but only some can go in there right mm-hmm. not this but that not this but that it gets too hard mm-hmm. and that more and, and they already feel like they're making an extra effort mm-hmm. and so i think that was a really 
good lesson for us to learn really early um, and think about what that means when we deploy our system mm. because it's like meet the customer where they are, solve the problem they actually have, mm-hmm. don't solve the problem that's easiest for you to solve. Mm. And I think, like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's really... I like that, yeah. 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 So so do you have... Do you have your go-to waste bins in, in these apartment blocks now? Yeah, we're just starting to roll a lot of, a lot of these out. So, you know, ordered the caddies, getting the stuff sorted out. Mm-hmm. And so basically, we just charge the complex for the bins that they collect. We don't charge them for the caddies. Um, and then that ends up to be quite an affordable process for those um multi-hydraulics because they're not paying for a really large bin they're not actually like mm. it's a small amount per household yeah um and so you know they're getting quite good value yeah um and we're and we're getting a great engagement with some customers that really have been largely underserved otherwise i mean that's that's so. absolutely fantastic yeah definitely underserved because i mean i i, I don't know of any solution like that that actually you know, does that for apartment buildings. Yeah, no, there's no one, right? Like, it's just like, oh, you guys live in an apartment. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's great. So so the fully autonomous, um, what what do you call it? Fully autonomous? Um, we call it NIBS. NIBS. Modular infrastructure for biological service. NIBS. NIBS, okay. So you said you've launched one, right? So we've actually built six. Okay. But we've set. So we've built our plant in Canberra, mm-hmm. um, which I think we've done when you we talked last. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've deployed our unit in October. I think we spoke in September, didn't we? Um, I think it was a little bit earlier than that. Around this. Yeah. No, it was earlier. Okay. Yeah. So we deployed our first unit. So, like. You know, when you think about the, the, the timeline for a deep tech, clean tech company, mm-hmm. you go, I'm going to save the world. I care very passionately about this problem and here's where I'm going to save the world in this in this area or industry. Yeah. Then you draw a bunch of shit on a napkin or a whiteboard and you somehow convince or bully a bunch of engineers to give you a hand. Great. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you sort of go to investors and you go, hey, give me some cash. I'll try and figure out how to build this damn thing and I think it'll be, once I've done that, you'll see that it's real. Mm-hmm. So we did that. This round, when we met, we'd been probably eight months into our second round. The premise was, hey, look, we proved we could build these robots. We, this is what it looks like. We've got all these customers that want this service and, and they're already using us. Mm-hmm. Give us some more money. We'll build more of these robots. We'll make it and, and we'll show you that the business model works. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, clean tech is all about does the idea work mm-hmm. and then does the business model work, mm-hmm. right? And, and so this has been about this sort of particularly this last year has been does the business model work? And the business model for us is Harbin spoke deployment of infrastructure capability to unlock challenges of waste logistics Mm -hmm. and waste management opportunity Mm. and so 
what we want to be able to do is create a central location where we can pivot from to deploy these units out into the world mm-hmm. um, and send them off to do their job. And so we we, ha- we set out to prove that that was true and that that was a feasible business model and that business model worked. So we built the plants, we built units, nibs to, to, to make them for the plant. Mm-hmm. Then we built a unit at the plant and we deployed it to a on-site location. So it's a precinct in Darling Harbour in Sydney mm-hmm. and it sits in the loading dock of that precinct mm-hmm. and manages the food waste from the three towers above it. And so that now is a unit that sits away from our main plant, three hours away. Mm-hmm. We visit it once every 12 days to put new maggots in, take the old maggots out. Mm-hmm. And we can, it, it accepts you. Know, the client can put the food waste into the, the unit with the bins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bin lifter, the bin lifter, yeah, they can operate it just like a normal mm-hmm. trash compactor. Mm-hmm. And then the unit accepts that waste, macerates it, treats it, and then feeds itself every day. So it, we can, I can turn it on, turn it off, do whatever I like from my phone in Canberra. Wow. Um, my clients can use it any time of the day and put waste into it. Mm-hmm. The maggots are fed every day and managed and kept happy. And so you've got this incredible capability that is deployed from our system um, and, and into a new market without having to build shit tons of infrastructure to service it. That's Do amazing. You know I mean? like, amazing, yeah. It's this huge thing, right? Yeah. And so that's our first, And so now we... So then we had... Okay, so now we've proved that you can build the central hub and that that model works and that you can deploy from that central model hub and that that works. And now the next part is to prove that we can send a stack. So Mm. a stack is the same unit but operating for aggregated loads. So you think about an on-site unit, that's a company or an organisation that generates enough food waste every day day mm. to feed one of our units so that's at least two ton a day yeah a stack is a logistically opportunistic capability that can handle aggregated loads not everyone makes two tons of waste or more a day yeah. most of us make between 10 to 100 kilos of waste a day mm. and we, or a week even and we need that to be collected with a whole bunch of other people's 10 or 100 kilos of waste a week and taken to a place to be managed. So mm. our business model is that you can deploy these this infrastructure to a city or a town, co-locate it on the waste management facility at the landfill, and then unlock a waste management capability for that town mm-hmm. simply by installing your infrastructure. And then the waste management providers can now go, oh, I can provide organics now in this town because I've got a place to put it. Mm. So that's what we've done. And that unit, uh, that system opens in November. Yeah. And the coolest part, like what I'm most excited about, is we have that, that thing will be commissioned soon to nuts in five months. Mm-hmm. It will be commissioned? Like, from beginning to end yeah. in five months. Mm, wow. Like, how cool is that? 
Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Where where will that be deployed? That one's in Albury. Albury, okay, yeah. So yeah, it's, it sounds like it's been it's been quite a year. Yeah. What? What would you? What do you have any statistics actually on how many tons of waste you're now um, you're now processing on a regular basis? It's like a hundred tons a week. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, what would you say is the biggest obstacle that you faced as part of this scaling process? Uh, <laughs> the facetious one is that I walked around with a vagina in a man's world demanding that people sell me hardware. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I, I can definitely, um, yeah, I, I, I found... Sorry? Quite me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely discovered over the course of the past year or two of interviewing people in green tech that, um, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's not all that easy to find a female founder to speak to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to really search them out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, it is diff- it has been difficult honestly to um to create hardware mm. that has never been created before or ha- doesn't exist in the world like yeah you can hack up a bunch of materials handling equipment conveyors and stuff and you know that's not that's not actually tech or innovation mm. right yeah. like you, you we can make a factory for insects out of horticulture conveyor and materials handling equipment mm-hmm. and it'll look the, like the coolest shiniest thing in the world mm. but it isn't an innovation it's just you're just moving stuff around that has been moved around in that way for a really long time mm. when you try to do something that's never been done before you run up against the unconscious bias of the people who are selling you the stuff you want to use in that function mm. and the people who generally you would install or create those functions right so we would you know air conditioners are a classic example you know i wanted to use air conditioners in a certain use case Mm -hmm. um and every time i tried to get an air conditioning supplier to install one for me they would come out and then they would tell me they would not install an air conditioner in that location because it would void the warranty I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit about the warranty. I don't care if the thing dies in six months. I want to see if it works. Mm. And they were like, no, no, we, you, know, you don't want to do that because that's not how air conditioners are used. And I'm like, I'm not trying to use it as an air conditioner. <laughs> I'm trying to do something else. It shuts up and it's the damn air conditioner. And you could not, you just, you just wouldn't, right? They're like, no, this is not what it's supposed to be used for. I'm like, I'm not trying to use it for what it's used for. It can be exhausting sometimes mm, to go through that yeah. because you're already at the boundaries of your own confidence in mm. trying to figure out, do you know what I mean? You're already like, you're pushing your own perception of what you can achieve mm. enough. 
without mm-hmm. some person who's supposed to be an expert in air conditioners telling you you're also a moron. Like, thank mm. you, Kevin. I already hear that every day in my internal monologue. I do not need to hear it from you, air conditioner man. You know, no imagination. Cheers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's that. Yeah. I think inherently it's that. Yeah, yeah. It could be lots of other stuff, like COVID's hard, that's hard, mm. this hard. But I, I think those things are all tangible things that can be managed within the constructs of their, their, their how they function. Yeah. But you can't, I think you can't ever underestimate the difficulty of standing up every day, walking out into the world and going, I'm just trying to do things differently and have everyone go, stop it. We don't like it when that happens. Mm. Like, it's just true. Yeah, 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 very true. And that's probably something that a lot of change makers experience and innovators, right? That That's very interesting that you brought that up because I, I wouldn't have thought of that actually as being, a you know, one of the biggest challenges I thought it would be hiring or, you know, fundraising or something, but... Yeah, it's it's true. Do, being an innovator and doing something different, it just requires so much courage, and yeah. that that in itself is tiring sometimes. Uh, yeah. what, was there any was there anything that really surprised you uh, it, it, over this past year that just came out of the blue and you thought, oh, I wasn't expecting that? Yeah. But instead, it's these little micro growth 
like spurts mm. um, that mm. are kind of beautiful and special. Mm. So, that's that's yeah. true. Yeah, very true. And it's, there's probably also something nice about having quite a lot of people joining at the same time because it you know I, I imagine if 15 people come on at a similar time then they can kind of support each other in starting in in, star, in starting um, their new job with the with the company and the growth and I, I don't know I mean maybe it's uh, not always the case but I could just see that as being a bit more of a bonding process than having sort of one person come on here and one there I think you're right. Like when you get a whole bunch coming on at once, yeah. I think you've got you're, you've got the energy. Like it's like the first day of school. Remember the first day of school, you get your new mm. exercise book and you'd like open it, and at the first page, your writing would be like perfect. Yeah. And then like halfway through the book, your writing is like hieroglyphics or like some sort of seagull mm-hmm. scroll. Mm-hmm. And it's that same feeling. Like first day of work, first two weeks of work, everyone's like excited and mm. engaged and, ex- and interested yeah. and um, and so when you bring 15 in at a time they kind of like they're now the like prevalent energy in the room mm. and um, and everyone else could feed off that because you know yeah it was sort of interesting one of our one of my um, my head of growth um, you know is a phenomenal individual but uh, we hired a head of corp dev in that group of humans and my head of growth was like when he came on he was you know so energized so exciting mm. and I remember my head of people was like oh my god I can't keep up with Bob you know you know he's just so flat out and mm. I just feel you know I'm like oh my god one foot after the other mm-hmm. and it was funny because when I had a corporate dev came on I said to everybody you know don't forget you're, he's going to turn up and make you all feel like you're not moving fast enough. And it's just, you know, and, and everyone's like, no, no. And I'm like, he will. I said, but just remember, it's just because he hasn't been in the boat as long as we have. Mm. He hasn't been rowing as long as we have. Mm. He's he's new. He's fresh. He's rested. Yeah. And so, like, we use a lot of analogies at work. But, and that was true, right? So Robin turns up and he's all like, let's go. And, Rob, and Bob's like, oh, my God, I can't keep up. And Laura's like, see? Like, <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, no, I told you, he hasn't been rowing. It's okay. Don't be upset. But I think that's that's infectious, right? Because yeah. everybody's like, oh, let's, yeah, like, it's not that people were unhappy at work. Mm. It's just that when you're in a startup, it can be, really easy to just slip into that achieve the milestone keep going achieve the milestone keep mm. going there's so much work to do we've got to build these processes we've got to achieve these milestones and when you get new people they're like how cool is it to work at the magnet robot company and everyone's like oh yeah it's actually really cool to work yeah 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 it's that whole thing around so I know you've got to figure out how to bottle that so you don't have to hire 15 new people every time you that's want to true yeah so what would you say has has brought you the most joy over the past year or or just a single event yeah um i i think 
we just um, we just crossed some really big milestones on growth and, and manufacturing speed and, and some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we've been in lockdown for a really long time, uh, or two two months, which feels like a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last Friday, you know, we'd done all the things we said we were going to do, and we finished the day at uh, you know, everyone came to work, they did two hours of tidy up and we played cricket for like a couple of hours just together, all of us. It was sort of the first social, pseudo-social outing that we all got to have. Um, obviously, we weren't, we were socially distanced, we were all wearing our masks, it's cricket by nature, we're all socially distanced. <laughs> but um, I think just seeing the team that we built willingly want to stay at work to hang out with each other, mm. having fun together, mm. being talking in side groups about the work they're working on, asking each other about certain things. Um, when you build a team, you can get so stuck in the operations of that team and what functions they do and how many mm. Asana tasks they have that you can forget sometimes that you've built this group of people that are now operating, you know, they're performing at a high level and, mm. and they are making connections and those connections are through and by your company and and that just felt really beautiful, mm. you know, to see yeah. that in real life yeah, and awesome. to know that, that we've done it. Mm. Um, it felt like a real achievement to yeah. be fair. And if you could describe your life philosophy or motto in a couple words or a couple sentences, what would it be? <laughs> it's a hard question, I know. <laughs> I want to say something super profound, but it's me, so you know that I'm likely just to swear and say something clumsy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> um, Look, I, I think it comes down, like I said, to something completely uh, inarticulate and it's just never, ever, ever give up. Ever. Mm, yeah, I like and that. I, and all of the evers matter. 